Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Good to have you here this morning. The Christmas Eve offering, as you heard, is going to go to buy socks and gloves and all those things for the, the homeless. And Levi does such a great job uh, playing guitar every week. And we're blessed to have him in that ministry, a part of this church. And you know that he's not asking for money for himself. He just lives off of free will offerings of the people. He's not on staff at Destiny Church. And so bless him. Bless those homeless people. Um, if you've got a little extra cash for Christmas, go a long way to buy some socks for homeless people on the street. So be a blessing uh, there. Um, Today, this week has been a really strange week. Besides being Christmas, my little brother died on Tuesday of this week. He was just 49 years of age. Um, he had been vaccinated, but still caught COVID and um, um, was in the hospital. And then they sent him home. You're good to go. And when he was at home, he threw a blood clot that went to his lung and he died. So that was really quite startling in the middle of Christmas week. I went up and I uh, told my beautiful mother, who's with us all week this week, hanging out and being strong, being amazing. You're, you're, you're pretty, pretty amazing. Four children. I'm the second of four. I claim to be the oldest um, just because I'm a, just a little year younger than my sister. Since I was always able to beat her up, I claim to be the oldest. <laughs> And uh, then some of you also went on a mission trip with uh, my brother Hans, who was also on that same mission trip with Bjarni. So it's been, it's been quite a weird, weird uh, week. Um, it's been a weird year. I mean, I've done more funerals this year. In my 32 years of ministry, I've done more funerals this year than any other year in the last 32 years. That's a lot. Um, the reality is that death is always near us. I mean, when you stop to think about it, you can just paralyze you. You know, I'm going to get hit by a car on the way home. That guy's going to cross the yellow line and take me out. I don't know if you have thoughts like that or whatever. Like, we put a lot of faith in that little yellow line on, in the road going 60 miles an hour past each other, you know. Um, it's been an exceptional year um, bringing the reality that death awaits us all. And I've had a lot of time to think about it uh, this week. My, as I said, my mom's been with me. And, of course, all the arrangements that, that go with um, a funeral and a celebration of life service that's going to happen down in Kentucky here soon. Um, and for some reason, I, I just began to think. A while back, I recorded the movie Wizard of Oz. Remember the 1939 movie Wizard of Oz? Um, uh, Dorothy, right? Um, Judy Garland, and then the Tin Man, and the Scarecrow, and the Cowardly Lion that ended up getting courage. And they got, they got marooned in this place called Oz because of a tornado, and they went and saw the great and powerful Oz, and he said, you got to go kill the Wicked Witch of the West. And then the house fell on her, and her feet curled up, and got the ruby slippers, and they got, then they melted her, ah, oh, melting, and they threw the water on her. You remember all this, right? <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I was thinking about all this, and then they, then they brought back, here's what I remember, most specifically, they brought back 
the witch's broom. Remember she tried to put herself out or some, somebody tried to put her out or the scarecrow. I don't remember how it all went down, but the, the broom got burnt and it was just a little nub of a, of a, of a broom and they took it back to the great and powerful Oz. And, and as a kid, man, when I saw that broom, I was scared spitless. You know what I'm talking about? Especially the flying monkeys. <laughs> but anyway, so they go back to, they go back to, they go back to Oz and they, they come in and they present the burnt broom to the wizard um, who now is going to let Dorothy go home and they present the burnt broom to the wizard and he, and he's surprised that they've killed the witch and you know, he's behind that curtain and he's doing all this stuff and, and he goes, uh, 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 come back tomorrow, come back tomorrow. remember that. And then it all goes on and they get kind of, you know, there's some consternation and, and they're, they're, but he just, he just wields those levers like, you know, and he's talking to that microphone. Oh, great, and powerful. But then Toto, what does Toto do? Toto goes over to that green curtain and grabs the end of that curtain and pulls it back. And now Dorothy, I think Scarecrow or something, I see it. And look over here and they look in there and there's the, and now he's all flustered and, and then he becomes this very weak impotent old man and Dorothy gets a backbone she was shivering in her little shoes before but now she's hey you said and just takes him to task and takes him to town um, so I, I want to take just a minute and I want to pull back the curtain on the evil wizard that keeps all of us in fear There was an English Puritan pastor, you may not know his name, is Thomas Watson. He wrote these words. We are more sure to arise out of our graves than out of our beds. Oh, how precious is the dust of a believer. Now, for some of us, death comes quickly. Boom. My brother's 49 years old. Boom. Some people, old, and the death lingers. They've been sick for years and years and years and years. And every time you see me at Christmas, you think, this might be the last Christmas I ever see whoever, because it just drags on and on. But the result is that it is always creeping towards each of us, whether it's just around the corner or a couple miles down the road. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, any poets in the house? Edgar Allan Poe, the raven, nevermore. But the raven did what? Just kept tap, tap, tapping at the door. And I thought, of, I, had to, I had to unpack that uh, poem when I was in high school, you know, back when we learned poetry in school and had to understand the meaning, so it kind of stuck with me. And it's a, it's, it's a poem about death and about his wife. And, uh, but the idea that that, ra that raven is just tapping, we, you may not hear it right now, but in this tender moment when we're talking about the people in your lives that have died this year or recently, you start to think about your own mortality, that raven is tap, tap, tapping for each one of us. Either way, it's coming. Well, not me, Pastor. I work out. I eat right. I drink a gallon of water every day. I limit my carbs. I got low body fat. I eat kale, rice cakes, 
seaweed. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations. You're still going to die. You're still going to die. I mean, I'm not dissing kale, but you're still going to die. I don't know if you're a betting person, but here are the odds. One out of every one person dies. We all have faith, right? So we just decide where we're going to place it. Some place it in our money, just our education, our family, the stock market, the government, our job. But we know what? All those things will fail us. Every single one of those things will fail you. But Jesus never fails. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same today as he's always been. So here's the cliff notes of the gospel. God created man to be with him, but death entered the world. It wasn't originally there. Death entered the world through sin. And with sin comes the penalty. And the penalty of sin is death. It's our nature from the very moment we're born to be sinners, being selfish. If you had little ones around Christmas, mine, no, mine. So the Lord said, you know, I'm going to fix it so we can take this stain off of their heart, this this propensity for sin that separates you from God. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to provide a way for us to wash our hearts. When John the Baptist said, behold, the Agnus Dei, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Are you in the world? Yes. So back to the Wizard of Oz. What this means is that the curtain of death is drawn back for you and for me through Jesus. If you have put your faith and your trust in him, you got nothing to fear. That bumper sticker, that window to cow, no fear. It only belongs on a Christian's car. It only belongs on a Christian's truck. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. Mind blown, right? I don't know if you ever had an argument. I didn't have an argument with my wife this morning. I had a disagreement with my wife this morning because the the two of the grandkids stayed overnight last night. My mother was with us last night. My Sunday morning routine is pretty, pretty strict. I get up, read the Bible. I get go over my, and I'm, I'm trying to do all that. And there's just, you know, the mayhem that is a five-year-old and a three-year-old. I want waffles. She's eating my waffle. No, I want my syrup hot. Just relax. We'll take care of it all for you. And then all that. And so, so now, now I'm having extra duties. Eric, get, get the girls dressed. Get the girls dressed. Great. So there's piles of clothes. And, and I said, Davina, can you get yourself dressed? She says, yes. Hand her her pile. Liberty, come on, let's get you dressed. Got her all dressed. Got her dirty clothes. Blah, 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 blah. Got them all dressed. And then at the end, now we're ready to leave. It's like, get, get your shoes on. Where's your socks? Cheryl says, well, there were socks right there. There were socks with the pile of clothes. I set them out. I said, there were, not, there were no socks. She goes, there were socks. I said, there were no socks, Cheryl. She goes, I'm telling you, I put socks there. I said, no, I dressed her. I know. I sat on the floor. I, there were no socks here. She goes, yes, there were socks. I felt like saying, well, you're calling me a liar. 
I didn't say it. I held my tongue. My mom, all the while in the back, she's going, you know, she had four of her own, so she knows. So, so I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I might be wrong. So I went to the pile of clothes that I'd taken off Liberty, and there, behold, I had scooped up the good new clean pair of socks with her. And I took them over to her, and I kind of had the sheepish grin, like, here they are. And she was like, she didn't, but, you know. Uh, but, you know, in, in a disagreement, in an argument, the person that has the last, gets the last word. And my wife, even though she didn't say it, she got the last word. She wanted to say, I told you so, but she didn't. But in the end, in an argument, whoever gets the See, in death, God gets the last word in this argument about death. There may be a give and take and a tug and a, and, and, and a pull in your life. And, and, you know, I don't want them to know that. And at the end, God says, listen, I have the last word here. You know why? Because I am the word. I am the very word. See, Jesus rose from the dead. He's called the second Adam. He's called the second Adam. We know who the first Adam is. He's the one that ushered in death for us. But the second Adam did what? He beat He beat death for every believer. So death isn't scary for us anymore. It's not the end of the story. Why? Because if you read your Bible, Jesus pulled back the curtain. He said, look at that. Look at that. Look look who's behind that curtain. You know how a little mouse with a light shine behind it projected onto a big screen can look like a lion? That's what you have to deal with. You'll be surprised how weak and impotent the devil actually is. First Corinthians 15 says, for since death came through one man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, Jesus, for as in Adam, everyone's going to die. We just made that clear. But so in Christ, if you're in Christ, you will be made alive. Life is short. I don't care if you live to be 105. <laughs> Life is short. It's uncertain. I mean, in eternity, you're just a, boop, a blip on the radar. You know, that green line that goes in circles in the, in the submarine or in, in the air, air force, uh, the, the tower, tower control. You're just, boop, and you don't, get a, you don't get a second one. There's not a second blip for you. What is your life? James says, why do you even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist. It appears for a while, a little while, and then poof, disappears. Moses wrote in Psalms 90 about the Lord. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up. By evening, it's dried and it's withered. Can't escape death or, well, if you watch the news, there are some smart enough to get around the taxes. But in the end, you don't beat death. Every year, approximately 56,600,000 people die every year. 56,600,000 people. You know what that is? That's such a large number, you just numb to it. You don't even have a category to put it in until it's your brother or it's your sister or it's your spouse And then the other 56,499,000 
But that one makes a difference for you. Death comes tap, tap, tapping at your door. The black raven is creeping. Solomon says to everything, there's a season, a time to be born, Anna. It's part of life. I mean, you can go to any cemetery. What's interesting at a cemetery, perhaps on the gravestone marker, but for the most part, there they all lie. There they all lie. I mean, we whistle past, I mean, I whistle past the cemetery every time I come down around 29, Abraham Lincoln, right there on the left-hand side, there's a whole field of people. Some Christians, some not. Lined up in nice little rows. Die. They're die. They're just decaying right there. I mean, that's, that's not to be morbid. That's not to be crass. That's, it's just stuff we don't talk about a lot because it makes us feel uncomfortable. But that is the reality of what death is. Take it from somebody that has done hundreds of funerals. You may have been to one this year, two this year. I've been to, done hundreds from infant babies, from, from preemie babies, miscarried babies, all the way to ICU where they pull the plug on somebody. I've been to both ends of the spectrum. I've seen it all. They go to the graveyard. Young and old, male and female, rich and poor, famous and infamous, infamous, the believer and the unbeliever, all lined up in a row. It seems to be the end, or so it seems. See, death is not the end of the story for Christians. The Bible tells us that if we've accepted his substitutionary death, we've got nothing to fear, no matter what. No matter how we die, car wreck, airplane crash, or death coming for us. No matter where we die, no matter what our physical condition at the moment of our death, we've got a promise from God that death itself cannot break. So here's the reality. You and I, we live in tents. I'm not much of a tenter. My family, we used to tent back in the day, six of us in one tent. I think the tent was six by six. You stacked this up and they're like, yeah, it was. You stacked this up. Hey, it's my sermon. It's six by six, ten, everybody. And we were all stacked up in there like cordwood. Everybody snoring like son of a gun. It was always a race to get to bed first so you could beat the snorers. Now I am one. But since then, I, have, I, I did, a little, I did a, a little Boundary Waters canoe trip up in um, Canada about 30 years ago. Um, That's the last time I tented. My mom, she used to tell me the other day, she goes, you know, when, when my husband, Al, her second husband died, um, she goes, I went and bought a tent. I was going to go tenting again. I said, you went and bought a tent? She goes, yeah. Then I thought about, I got to carry water. I got to start a fire. She goes, I took that tent back the next day. <laughs> she just told me that yesterday. Our bodies are like tents. Who you are is not this. Tents wear out. They sag, they expand, they wrinkle, their joints get cranky. The arteries harden. Gravity pulls everything downward. Your heart slows down. Your eyes grow dim. Your teeth fall out. Am I encouraging you yet? (laughs) Anybody encouraged yet? 
Your back gets hunched over. Your arms grow weary. Now you're 20-something sitting there thinking, ah, I'm just, you wait. I was, who was I talking to? Who was I talking to just last week? I was talking to somebody. They're like 79, 80 years old. Get a little creaky. And uh, I said, yeah, I pulled, I pulled my neck muscle just rolling over in bed last week. You know, you, you ever hurt yourself just kind of rolling over? Yeah, I mean, your bones get brittle, they break, your muscles weaken, your body bulges in all the wrong places. In your youth, though, man, you brag about your strength. Man, I can, I can, uh, uh. but listen, a little virus can kill you. You can't see it, it'll kill you. Sooner or later, we all get old. Every one of us, our bodies break down. Every one of you. Eventually, they just stop working. The tent is torn. Just like a car driving along. It breaks. Do you stay in your car and just sit there forever? No. You get out and you keep on your journey. You call somebody else, they come pick you up, and then your car stays there. Your body is just a shell. Your body is just the tent that you're right. It is your earth suit. There's 7 billion people in the world, right? Thereabouts. In this room right now, every one of you will lose, die 70 billion, not 7 billion, that's how many people in the world, you will lose and will die 70 billion cells on your body will slough off and die. Die. From the very moment you're born, you begin to die. That brand new baby in the, in the, in the, in the crib, they're on a journey. I, uh, I got married in 1984. <clears throat> then I started, uh, I started Bible school a, a year after that. And um, my very first car I, was, I shared with my sister was a Plymouth Satellite. Oh, that was a beauty. Then I bought my own car. My first car was a, uh, a GMC Everybody says, that's too bad, Pastor. I bought a GMC Gremlin. It was red. It was a cutie. It was t- I bought it for $300. Had a manual choke on it. it always would, the carburetor would always slap shut. The car would die. So I just tied a shoestring around it and a manual choke, you know, and attached it to my steering wheel so I could, just, I could just throttle my choke as I was driving down the road. I could work the choke on my carburetor. It was a sweetie. So then I, then, then I got married, you know, I, I may have had the car before I got, I had the car before I got married. I traded the AMC Gremlin for an AMC Pacer, which is a Gremlin on steroids. <laughs> it's like somebody just blew in the tailpipe of a Gremlin. There you go. There's a Pacer. So I had a Pacer and it was horrible too. Navajo interior. Whew, beautiful. And uh, my new wife driving down Pioneer Parkway in Peoria uh, on the north end of town, and the car dies. The pacer just dies. Like in the turn lane, on a, Pioneer Parkway is a pretty busy street, and there's a turn lane. And I was there, I was up at Kay's Merchandise or something back in the day, and Cheryl and I were there, and the car died. Just died right in the middle of the road. I'm like, what? And I look over, and there was the Honda dealership. And I heard a voice from heaven, and the light shone. <laughs> And I said, Cheryl, get out of the car. We're going to go get a car. 
So we left the car in the turn lane. This is a hand to heaven story. Hand to heaven story. Left the car in the turn lane, walked into the dealership, 21 years old, 22 years old. He said, can I help you, sir? Yeah, I want to buy a car. He goes, great. He goes, uh, you going to trade in? I said, yeah. Look, see out that window right over there? <laughs> see that one right out there? I said, that's the one I'm going to trade in. True story. I, young and dumb, right? I bought a brand new, yes, brand new Honda Civic. Literally, they had to drive it off the showroom floor for me, put it outside, took it away. What's the point, Eric? The point is that death, you exchange your earth tent. You turn it in. Dead on the side of the road. You just turn it in and you get a brand. You get it. Here's what happens. You have a tent that's shredded and you trade it in to get a building. Well, here, here, here's how it goes. Here's the exact word, 2 Corinthians 5. Now we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building. Do you see the juxtaposition of those two words, the tent versus the building? You just trade in this worn out tent. You trade it in and then you get a building, the building from God, your eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. See, death is not the end. Reincarnation, evaporation, nothingness, annihilation, oblivion. No, no, no. You just get an upgrade. You trade in. Everyone who trusts in Jesus will trade in their broken down bodies for a new one. Now, yes, absolutely. Lots of tears when people die. My mom cried. I cried. Everybody cried. But my brother loved Jesus. We should be happy that he's, that he's going, yes, yes, I will get there. I will be there eventually. And I've had glimpses of that, but I'm sad. I'm very sad. I don't allow, I told my mom, I don't allow myself. She doesn't either. She's a very, very positive person. I, I just do not allow myself to get sad. I have enough sadness around me that if I let it make me sad, every little thing make me sad, I'd just be in, I'd just be in a world of hurt. I just have depression. I should just, you know, eat chocolate and die myself. Death by chocolate. But there is sadness. Oh, holy smokes. Tears? Just when you think you can't cry anymore, then there's more. And it's just, it just comes. Why? Because you're going to miss them. You're going to miss them. If you know what their eternal destination is, there is this sense that, oh, okay. I get that. Cognitively, spiritually, I ascend to that idea. Yes, that's the reality. Man, I'm really going to miss my wife, my child, my mom, my dad, my child, whatever it is that you went through this last year or will go through soon. And let me just tell you this. Even though you know that person, you know, the, 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 you tr <laughs> I've been there so many times because I'm a fixer. I want to fix it. But you can't fix when somebody's died so motor mouth wants to just open mouth, insert foot. I have to say something. It's my nature, but I can't. You don't say, well, at least they're in heaven. At least they're, well, that's nice. That's true. But that's just platitude to someone that's mourning the death of their spouse, right? So all you have to do is be present. Say, I'm sorry. You're really going to miss that person. I'm really going to miss that person too. And you just sit and cry because you're going to miss them. Yes, the reality is, the truth is that 
Should they put their faith in Jesus? There's gonna be that day. And that reality comes to bear for each of us. This is why I love Matthew 5, 4 so much. It says you're actually gonna be happy. You should be, you're blessed when, you're, when you mourn. Like in Israel, when somebody dies, they remain unshaven for a month. There are certain things, certain traditions in, in other countries where you get more than three hours, five hours, one day, two days, they died. Embalm them, put them in a box, put them in the ground. Three days later, done. Okay, go about your life. That's just not really how it works, people, right? There's a process that we all go through. I'm not a psychologist, and I didn't stay at a motel or a Holiday Inn Express last night, but I'll tell you there are stages of mourning, of grieving. You get angry, and then you, and then you process all this stuff. But the Bible, Jesus said, blessed are you when you mourn. So mourn, mourn that loss, that's okay. You're not gonna stay there. Why? Because he's gonna bring to you a comfort. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. The promise of eternal life, what is that? That means no more cancer. It means no more heart disease. It means no more physical abuse. No more hatred, no more sickness, no more hurricanes, no more floods, no more tornadoes, no crime, no sadness, no night, no war, no death. God has promised. And there's something about this promise that God has given us because, you know, when you promise somebody here, you promise your five-year-old, hey, pinky swear. Okay, yeah, whatever, pinky swear. What is that? That's like, I really, really mean it. God says, I'm promising you all of this, and I really, really mean it. In fact, so much so, it's like when you go buy a house. I want to buy that house. Okay, that house costs X number of dollars. Great. What do they ask you for immediately to, sh- to prove whether or not you really want to buy that house? Everybody say earnest money. Look really smart. They ask you for earnest money. You know what that means? That means you're putting a down payment on that. That's what Jesus did. God signed on the dotted line and said, I will raise you from the dead. And then he put a down payment. Here's how it sounds in Ephesians 1. And you also were included in Christ when you've heard the word of faith, the gospel of your salvation, healing, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal. What is that? The promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14, who is a deposit. Jesus said, here's the promise, and I'm going to give you a deposit on that promise, just so that you know. The deposit is the Holy Spirit guaranteeing what? Your inheritance, which is to be with him until the redemption of those who God's possession, until the praise of his glory for this reason ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love and for all the saints. It's good as done. It's gonna happen. You can take it to the bank. That is unless the rapture comes first. when he comes, just takes us all. But for the most part, the report from the cemetery this morning is that every Christian who has ever lived eventually died, even Lazarus, a second time. We don't escape it. Some way, somehow, someday, I will die. Maybe today, going home. Heaven forbid, driving in a car, get hit by a truck, boom. 
Y'all gonna get gathered around. Oh, Eric, he was a good guy. You won't remember all my bad stuff. You, oh, Eric is a good guy. You'll cry because you're sad. You're gonna miss me so bad, I hope. And 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 uh, then they call the undertaker. They take me away and put me in a box. They dress me up. I said, oh, dress me up. Just, you can cremate me, Cheryl. That's fine. Well, I don't believe in cremate. Well, listen, you can believe, listen, ash to ash, dust to dust, wherever it started, it's gonna go back to there. So what do you, what do you think about people that got eat by, eaten by a shark? right? God's going to gather all that and you're going to have a brand new, see, to be absent from the body, just a little, his little theology here, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when you die, immediately you're in the presence of the Lord, but your body is still in the grave, decaying, but on that day, woo boy. It's all part of life. There'll be a funeral service. Someone will probably say some nice words about you. They'll remark how they miss you, say some prayers. Then what happens? Everyone goes home and lives their life. However, however, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up. On that bright and cloudless morning, when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share, when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the sky and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Last verse. So let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all this wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder. That's more than a hope, friends. That's a promise. We're not looking for some hazy, lazy view of heaven where we all float around with wings all day in heaven. No, we're looking and we're waiting and we're longing for that bright and cloudless morning when the Lord returns and the dead in Christ shall rise. It's gonna happen. You can bet your life on it. God has promised. So... Henry uh, Wadsworth Longfellow, a poet uh, in the late 1800s, you may be familiar with his name, he wrote a poem, and I love this poem. I should really commit it to memory, but it's a poem called God's Acre. And it talks about that little, that little one-acre plot next to the old country church and the saints that are buried in that old country plot next to the church. And the poem's called God's Acre. And that those bodies that are buried there are actually seeds that will rise again. I like that ancient Saxon phrase which calls the burial ground God's Acre. It is just It consecrates each grave within its walls and breathes a blessing or the sleeping dust. 
into its furrows shall all be cast in the sure faith that we shall rise again at the great harvest when the archangels blast shall winnow like a fan the chaff and the grain then shall the good stand in immortal bloom in the fair gardens of that second birth and each bright blossom mingles its perfume with that of flowers which never bloomed on earth with thy rude plowshare death turn up the sod and spread the furrow of the seas we sow this is the field and the acre of god this is the place where human harvests grow because death is not the end for us donovan build your goo your boss your friend your spouse your son my brother yes genesis 3:19 by the sweat of your brow you will eat the food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken you'll return to the dust of the earth from whence you were taken for dust you are and dust you will return the body listen the body returns to the earth why? Because that's where it came from, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But listen, however, the spirit returns to where it came from. It all goes back to where it came from. The spirit returns to God who gave it to wait for the day when both the spirit and the body shall then again be reunited at the second coming. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet blast of God and the dead in Christ, which I'm very happy about, they get to go first. For this corruptible body will then put on incorruption and this mortal will be clothed with immortality and then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death has no more sting. It has been swallowed up in victory. The Wizard of Oz, that curtain being pulled back to relieve us of our fear. There was another curtain 2,000 years ago that hung in the temple. And it separated us from God. Isaiah 59 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God. There's a curtain between you and God, and there was in the temple. But in Matthew 27, at the moment of the crucifixion of Jesus, at that moment, the curtain in the temple, at that very moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rock split. Jesus tore the curtain open, said, look, there's nothing for you to fear back here. I beat it. Put your trust in me. And when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Why don't you stand with me this morning, please? See, God has made a way for each of us to have eternal life. If you're not there, I pray that you do. We will be with God for eternal separation or for eternity in heaven, or we will be eternally separated from him. 
when we say no more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, the opposite of that is true for those whose faith is not in Jesus. That's not a scare tactic. It's the truth. Just like if I were to tell you, you know, if you had a fire in your kitchen and you didn't have a fire extinguisher, your house would probably burn down. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just stating a fact. That's the reality. Jesus says, I have made a way. In fact, Peter said, I don't even know the way. Jesus says, well, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the light. Anyone who would put their faith in me, he's chosen you. Let me just tell you, let me just put your heart at rest. In fact, it's not so much that you chose him. He chose you and you just have to accept the fact that he chose you. That makes it a lot easier. Because trying to muster up enough faith, ah, my faith is weak. Yes, join the club. Join the club. Say, okay, all right, I got it. I got it. I'm just going to trust. I'm going to just trust the Lord. Trust and obey. Right? So I, can, I, I know this has touched the heart and the nerve of some in this room today because you've lost someone this past year. The odds are you probably have. You have a friend or a family member, a close relative, somebody in your immediate circle of influence and friends and family that has died this year. Raise your hand. Look around. See, you're not alone. You're not alone. Sometimes we shave, get clean. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. No, you can mourn. It's okay to mourn. God will bring us comfort for you. And yes, on that bright and glorious morning, we'll, we'll all march. In fact, I've already in my prayers said, Lord, just have, have my brother march around the throne one time for me. Would you do that? So my prayer for you is first and foremost that you have that, that connection with God through Jesus. That if you don't, it's very simple. You say, yes, okay, I accept your gift. Just like that. Doesn't mean you become perfect. It means he covers you with his blood. Your sins are forgiven and you get another start. You get another crack at this thing called life. And you'll mess it up. I don't care how good a painter you are. We're doing a lot of painting down in the church. Every once in a while, you're trying, I painted, so you paint a, tr you know, you paint trim, and every once in a while, boop, there it goes, and you gotta get out, the, you know, you get out the tower, whatever. I don't care how good a painter you are, you're gonna mess it up. You're gonna mess up this thing called your Christian life, but don't give up. I mean, can imagine, oh, I messed up with painting the job. I can't ever paint again. Never gonna paint again. No, wipe it off. Jesus says, I'll wipe all your sins away. Don't worry about that. Just keep coming to me. Just keep coming to me. I'll take care of you. And that's the hope that we have. That's not a pie in the sky. Wish. He signed on the dotted line with his blood and gave a deposit for that promise. So Father, we put our hearts into your hands this, this morning. Thank you for sending the Lamb of God. Thank you for sending Jesus that wipes away the sin stain of our life when we put our hope and faith and accept what he's done for us. So now, Lord, we recommit our lives to you. Maybe the very first time you've ever done this or maybe you've done it a thousand times before, but what a better way to end this year by saying, Jesus, I reestablish my relationship with you. I am so sorry I have painted outside the lines I'm gonna do my best from here on out. 
with the help of the deposit, the Holy Spirit, to live a life that honors you. Father, bless each and every one in this room that has suffered the loss of a friend, a coworker, a family member this past year. Lord, may our eyes be open to the reality that the, the curtain has been pulled back, torn in two, opened and made a way where fear no longer controls us. But we walk in faith, knowing who we are in Christ. For surely you have borne our iniquities. So Father, cover us today with peace. The peace and comfort that you promise for those who mourn. And may we go about our lives to impart that comfort and peace to those around us when they are suffering and help us to be good stewards of that deposit to tell the world that the curtain has been pulled back we ask for this blessing Lord not because of who we are but because of you your grace towards us and so now may the peace of heaven be upon your life be upon your home and your family may prosperity upon your business and may your eyes be opened to the reality that on that bright and glorious morning, the dead in Christ shall rise. And those of us who are alive and remain and in Christ will be gathered to be with the Lord. Thank you, Father, for that promise. May it be ours eternally. In Jesus' name, amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.